are going to start our Mandalorian rewatch. Oh, I think it held up just as well as it did when I first watched it. The big question I have, is this the first time that we've ever seen a toilet in Star Wars? They've bought a new speeder and still have this guy employed. My favourite background character is the quacking monkey lizard that's watching his friend getting spit-roasted in front of his eyes. <laughs> And welcome to episode 22 of Live from Vader's Castle. I'm your one of your hosts, John Lee. I'm joined by my co-host as always, Dan McGuire. Good evening. How are we doing? Uh, I'm not too bad, not too bad. How are you doing, Dan? Oh, very well. Very well indeed. I just realised I said good evening instead of saying hello there. That's a, that's a retake. <laughs> <laughs> hello there. Hey. Shameful behaviour. Not a true Star Wars fan. Kick him out. Disappointing. Oh boy, Obi-Wan Kenobi with that one. Good evening. <laughs> Imagine how differently Star Wars would have gone if he had said good evening to, Gen- uh, to General Grievous instead of hello there. What a game changer that would have been. To be fair, he's a class enough man where I think he could pull off a good evening. No. Good evening. General <laughs> <laughs> Anyway... <laughs> Moving swiftly on. Uh, <laughs> on. Oh, got a nice, fun episode, I think, today. A nice yeah. little blast from the past. A blast from the past, exactly. We, um, I think we've, we've been wanting, I think I was, I was re-listening briefly to, like, the first episode that we ever recorded. And then that episode, we said, like, oh, we're going to have to go back and, like, rewatch Mandalorian and do some episodes talking about it. So here we are doing exactly that. We're going to start our Mandalorian rewatch by it. It's not going to be consistently every single week, like with Bad Batch, when there was an episode coming out every week. We'll scatter these about. We don't want to overpower our listeners with too much Mandalorian. But we're going to work our way through the 16 episodes that we've had of Mandalorian so far, um, take one at a time for an episode and you know reflect back on them. What we what we liked about them, what characters stood out for us, any Easter eggs spotted, and just have some little discussions about about the great show, The Mandalorian. Yeah, I mean, I've been <clears throat> looking for an excuse for a rewatch for quite some time now, actually. So this does bode well for that. I mean, it's such a great show. It'd be criminal to only watch it the one time that I have. So yeah, it'd be nice to go back, have a look through. Uh, Seeming as you've seen, always the second time, third time and stuff is always, you get a bit more out of it sometimes because you, because you know where the story is going. You can kind of focus on like, yeah, the background stuff, the, you know, characters that you really like, the Easter eggs, that sort of stuff. So yeah, I'm looking forward to going through and watching all 16 episodes again and uh, seeing what else I can spot since the first time I've watched it. Yeah, definitely. And you, you start to pick up on some of those like, teases that the show was given but like when you see it for the first time not knowing what happens afterwards there's no context so it just you don't even notice it but then when you know how the show ends or you know where it's going those sort of little teases make a bit more sense so yeah it definitely is fun to to rewatch shows like this and um i'm i'm very excited to revisit some of the episodes coming up but particularly this first one um so obviously we're starting off with chapter one Season one, episode one of The Mandalorian. I think the episode was just titled Chapter One, The Mandalorian. Um, the, the the official synopsis that you get on Disney Plus 
was uh, a Mandalorian bounty hunter tracks a target for a well-paying mysterious client. Um, I've, I've done all my research here. It was released on the 12th of November, 2019 in America. We got it a little bit later in the, in the UK because we had to wait for Disney plus damn you, Disney. It was, uh, it was written by the great John Favreau and directed by the great Dave Filoni. Um, that's all the uh, <laughs> all the little information which comes up when you click on the episode. So I just thought I'd, I'd I'd note it all down so we can give our listeners good solid information because it's been a while since they've probably watched it. Yeah, I mean it's been a while since I've watched it, so that was a that was a nice little catch up for me. That's so thank you. Um, I remember when this this was like announced. I remember when I remember wait, obviously because it came out in the US a few <clears throat> weeks before. Uh, or a good while before us, as you mentioned. I remember just being like so worried. I was going to see like so many spoilers and stuff on Twitter, and like I was very disappointed at Disney for not not announcing it, not releasing it in the same at the same time in this country, being it such like it was, it was such a hyped project. You know, it was like it was the well, it was, must have been like the next thing we got from Star Wars since the sequels. Yeah, it it, like, it released in in America like a month before Episode Nine. Yeah. Um, but it was it was like Disney Plus launched basically the day that man like Mandalorian sorry came out the day that Disney Plus launched in America. So it was like the big launch um, project. It was it was basically like even though it was coming out just before Episode Nine, it was basically like the next big thing following the sequels. So yeah, it was there was a lot of hype, and then they said to us us Brits over here, yeah, you got to wait another six months, and um, sadly. I didn't get much spoiled, to be honest. The only thing I really got spoiled was that Baby Yoda was in it. But that was unavoidable. I mean, that literally took over the entire internet for months on end. Um, so I don't, I don't think of any way we could have not <laughs> had that spoiled for us. But apart from that, I went in pretty fresh, which was a relief. Yeah, I mean, the Baby Yoda reveal was like the hottest news in Star Wars, I think probably since like the Force Awakens trailer or something. Um so yeah, it was. There was no doubt that I was going to get spoiled. I, I tell you what, I remember thinking at the time when it got announced, I was like Pedro Pascal. I was like, I was trying to think of anything I'd ever seen of him before. Like he was just like one of those actors that never seemed to be like a household name, but like still a good actor. Don't get me wrong, but like he wasn't like a household name as I think obviously he is now because of the Mandalorian. And like he was an actor I'd never really seen before. And like, or been like at the forefront of my attention if he was in a film or something. So I think I was a little bit like on the fence, maybe about where how he was going to be in this in this uh, TV show, and like whether I was going to like love him as an actor or like just be like, oh, we like he's all right. Um, but obviously now sitting here, like, was it like almost or two years later? Oh boy, what a man! And I think. I think you can kind of sometimes get in TV shows like you have the first episode, like the pilot sort of thing. And like the actor, um, you know, still learning the character, still getting into it a bit. But I think, I think, you know, this chapter one, episode one, Pedro Pascal, I think is consistent. Like obviously now that I've seen, we've seen the whole thing all the way through. Like, I think he really, you know, hits the ground running in this first episode. Um, and I think, the only difference between you know him in this episode and like him in the final episode is just the character development. I don't think as like an acting performance, it's like he's so much better in the last episode than he was in the first. I think in the first episode he, he's already like straight away 
unbelievable in like the performance we get out of him, obviously with a helmet on and stuff. But you get what I'm trying to say. Like, it's not yeah. like, yeah, I agree. Like some, I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. In some series, you can really tell like the actor's journey with their character. Mm, yeah. And, like yeah. how they've learned it to do it as acting. But I think an, it, the only journey he has is his character development. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. The one that always pops to my head is um, Stephen Amell and Arrow. I felt that it wasn't until like season two, season three that he like fully found his foot in with the character and like his performances were like on part, like on, you know, top notch. Like, you know, I liked the first season of that show, but Stephen Amell's acting was like not quite there, but then he like fully found his footing. Maybe that's a bit too far, like end of season one, going into season two more like. So that's one that pops to mind. But yeah, no, Pedro Pascal just, he just nailed this role from the get go. I only knew him from Game of Thrones. Um, because he played um, Oberon Martell, the Viper, and obviously, big spoiler for Game of Thrones, if no one's watched Game of Thrones yet, he gets his head crushed in an episode and then that's him. So (laughs) I didn't know much of him. I just knew he was the guy that got his head crushed. So I was, you know, I was um, interested by the casting, but I wasn't like, oh my God, this is going to have Petra Pascal in it. I must watch this. I was like, I'm going to watch this because it's Star Wars and it's about, a bounty hunter and it looks like a western i'm gonna watch it um but now as you said can't wait to see more pedro pascal he's he's the man yeah i really like to i just noticed and like i notice him more now obviously since seeing him in the mandalorian like if i see him in like other films I'm like, oh shit that's like it's pedro pascal but like when that film actually came out i had no idea who he was like i think he's in or he's in um what's that the, the spy film uh, what are they called not like James Bond but it's like the kid's like a chav and then he Kingsman. is like a spy Kingsman that is it thank you so much he's in like the <laughs> second or third one of that I think and I keep seeing it on TikTok and it's just like he plays like a cowboy and I'm like oh that is Pedro Pascal but like I remember going to the cinema and watching that and I had no idea who that guy was I thought it was just like some extra that they've got to like fill in a couple like lines here and there <clears throat> which is like shameful of me I know but yeah, I was like, oh, that's Pedro Pascal as well. So I like how they didn't go for someone who's like a household name, I suppose. I suppose to some people he probably is. But I feel like for the vast majority of the audience watching The Mandalorian for the first time, like they probably didn't really know who Pedro Pascal was. And I liked that because it kind of kept the, the mystery, I suppose, behind the character. Like obviously because he wears his helmet like through most of the, two seasons up we only see him his face like very briefly in like the whole of the first season I think and then it's only in the last episode isn't it we see his face in the first season and obviously a bit more in the second season yeah yeah so I think that was a clever casting choice by having him famous enough so he's like a good actor and like people would you know like get behind it but they're not too famous so they didn't give away the like intensity of him keeping his mask on the whole season yeah yeah no I definitely agree I think if it's not like Robert Downey Jr it's just like You'd know Robert Downey Jr.'s face so well. It would just feel weird <laughs> it being covered up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, 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 we know what you look like, Robert. Like, why are you wearing a mask? But Pedro Pascal, I think, like, for the first season, I genuinely could not tell you what he looked like the entire season until he took his helmet off. And I was like, oh, he's got a mustache. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I had no idea what he looked like for the entire season. Yeah. No, I think it's, it was good casting and, you know, a lot of the other actors, they got to 
pop up in this series, whether it was sort of like more regulars like Carl Weathers playing Grief Carga, or you're sort of more like one-off in episodes like um, the guy who plays Quill. Um, there's definitely some like good acting talent that they got here, but they didn't just like weigh it down with like you know super ridiculously huge names because that can sometimes be a little bit distracting. Um, so yeah. I think they they definitely handle that well. So shall we? Um, we'll dive into this this first episode. We'll just start off before we sort of get into the nitty gritty. On on a rewatch, on reflecting back, on watching it again, overall thoughts. What 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 was your experience in the rewatch? I was really worried actually when I went when I like first started the rewatch. Like um, sometimes when you go back and rewatch a show, like the first episode you can be like, oh, like this is a real grind to get through. Like, I want to get my rewatch going, but I've got to slog through this first episode to like get into the stories. And I was, but some for some reason, I didn't get this for this episode at all. Like, I put it on, and I was like, at no point was I like, oh, come on, hurry up! I want to get to like the end so I can go to the next episode. I want to get to this bit. Like, I just sat and just enjoyed the entire episode, like as if I was watching it fresh. You know, I was like, first, I was just, I was just stuck enjoying the moment. Like the pacing, I think was, you know, really good. We, the, you know, we introduced to a badass character that off the bat, I think, you know, there wasn't any like faffing about with that. Um, I, I just really enjoyed it. I mean, I, as much as I think I enjoyed it the first time around, which I must say for me personally is very surprising because normally I'm a bit bored of the first episode episode of a season or rewatch. But no, I think it held up just as well as it did when I first watched it. To be honest. Yeah, it's a, a really, really strong first episode. And it does everything that a first episode should do, like, well. Like, it sets up the character, sets up the world, sets up what the plot's going to be, and then introduces something which makes you think, ah, okay, so this isn't just, you know, this. There's something a little bit more going on here. Um, and obviously, you know, in this episode, that was, like, the reveal that, you know, the target was a child and the child looked like Yoda and he wasn't going to kill the child. Um, but I think, as you said, like the pacing is really good because we you know, find out more and more about him throughout the episode. We get some like really cool action moments. We get some sort of like really interesting discussions and a bit of law, a bit of background. Um, and then, yeah, it ends with like a big cliffhanger, which makes you think, damn, I need to watch this show, which is exactly what a first episode of like a new show should do so yeah i think i think it still holds up really really well even like nearly two years later like i think it's a really 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 strong first episode yeah and what i liked about it as well is like even some of the obviously there's lots of action in this first episode like you know the beginning and towards the end and stuff but what i liked about the slower stuff is that it wasn't like boring it kind of gave you the sense of like all right i want to find out more about this character like uh one scene in particular is when he does after he goes and meets the empire uh, guy and he gets his best guy. And then he goes down to, I don't know, the little like Mandalorian hut underground, the little bunker underground, you know, and he's just wandering through there. There's not really much given away here. You know, he gets his new shoulder piece smelted and he meets the, uh, the uh, armorer. And there's not much given away. And to be honest, if you, like some shows I think would have fallen into the trap of that being like boring or like just being like, all right, let's get on to the next bit. But I think they managed to, it, it's interesting enough that once you want to find out more, but then it's not like boring you at the same time, if that makes sense. Like it, it, there was enough detail in it, like the background characters, 
um, like the background Mandalorians. I think we re- wanted to find out more about them. Like what I found really good or cool interesting in that scene was the, the children running around with the Mandalorian helmets. Like that's obviously like a strange sight. Like, and you're like, okay, so like not even the children like show their faces and stuff, which then builds more questions. So I think it was really good at, at in the slower bits being being there to like raise questions and make your interest peak instead of just like trying to fill the time. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, he, and that scene even had like those like few flashback moments where it wasn't even like a flashback scene. It was just like little sort of brief images of him as a kid. But you don't, you, I mean, unless I guess you, 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 you obviously think that that's him as a kid, but you know, it's not like, explicitly detailed that it is him as a kid so when you, if you're watching that for the first time you're like oh okay there's something going on here they're fleeing from something what are they fleeing from are these his parents you know you, you get those like brief flashes which you know makes you think right there's something going on here but it sets it up for like a, a delivery later on which I think is a another really strong moment and then yeah as you said like everything with a sort of Mandalorian is it a covert they call it I think it's a covert really like raises a lot of questions particularly if you've never watched anything outside of the main Star Wars films, it raises like the question of like, mm, like, I guess all Mandalorians have their helmets on. That's an interesting thing. And then if you have watched like the Clone Wars and stuff, you're used to seeing Mandalorians with their helmets off. <laughs> so you're watching it thinking, oh, this is interesting. Why on earth are these Mandalorians all stuck with their helmets on? Um, and why will the main character never take his helmet off, even when he's like suggested to do so? So regardless of if you're like a diehard fan who knows every detail or like a more casual fan, it's still raising a lot of like interesting questions that makes you want to continue watching the show. No, yeah, exactly. I think it does that really well. And I think you made a good point there about how like the, they kind of, they start already in this first episode, they're drip feeding things that they kind of, it's going to pay off later on in the season, which I think is, is, is always nice when you see that. And like, especially when you go back for a rewrite, we, uh, Rewatch, Christ. Uh, it's always nice to see those little those little hints and um, bits that you know from watching the story that like where they're going to lead. But it's always appreciated like, in hindsight, I suppose. <clears throat> so it's nice, and it just shows that like the writers and stuff have taken their time to put these details in the show for you because it's quite easy to like write the story like just as it is, and like you, you don't have these little points that when you go back and rewatch, you notice and, you know, you can just get from a, you can just tell the story from like A to B, but like what is nice when they add in these little details is, you know, the story's going from like A to Z and like each little detail is picking up another point in the, in the timeline, if that makes sense. So it's nice to see that they've taken the care to put these little details in, which is on a rewatch is really noticeable. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I think both of us, if we're thinking our overall thoughts here, I think both of us have come away pretty positive <laughs> from our rewatch, which is uh, which is good. I mean, I kind of had the feeling that that's what it was going to be because I do hold the show in pretty high regard. But I'm, I'm glad that I just was able just to sit down, whack this episode on, and just just enjoy the ride. I think we should um, we should get into what are some of our favourite moments from the episode. Um, I'll quickly go first. One of my favourite moments from the episode is just that opening scene in the bar. Um, I'm not sure what the name of that planet is. I don't know if it if it is confirmed what planet that is or not. But anyway, the the opening scene on in the bar, when you've got the sort of 
the absolute classic Western sort of cowboy walking into a saloon, starting a fight <laughs> and then, you know, coming after a target that he's got a bounty on. I mean, it's like the most Western thing ever from like the door opening and like the sort of playing as like he goes in through the door and then to the, you know, standing at the bar getting started on and then whacking someone in the head for a drink. Um, I just love that whole scene and the, you know, him cutting the quarren in half with the door and like not saying a word through that entire fight. It's just like instantly shows you that this Mandalorian is a badass. He's, he's not necessarily like, at least when you see him in this episode, you don't really think at the very beginning, oh, he's a good guy. You think like, oh, he's clearly a bit of an anti-hero, like he's quite violent, you know, resolves things with a fight. He's tough, he's strong. And then what I particularly loved about this scene is that his very first line after fighting and doing everything is, um, I can take you in warm, or I can take you in cold. And that's just a killer, badass line just to like introduce a character. So yeah, that that first opening bar scene is one yeah, one of my favorite moments in this episode for sure. I think it's a a real like um what's the word? It's like a statement of like what the show's gonna be straight away. So that you know that this is a slightly darker, seedier side of Star Wars that we're seeing in this and uh very in- influenced by Westerns and I just think it's a an awesome scene. Oh yeah, I completely agree. That scene is it's such a strong opener for the episode and, and the series as a whole. Like it just goes in, he kicks some ass, delivers a badass line, and that, that's it, that's the opening done. It's just like ticks all the boxes and it's unbelievable. I'm pretty sure that line as well, um I, I can bring you in warm, I can bring you in cold is even made it to the IGN like quote quote section on the episode when I was looking earlier. Like so you know it's badass has made it into that little uh, that little section on IGN. Oh, not IG, uh, IMDB, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's how it's so, certified yeah. as badass. Yeah. <laughs> it's ended up on IMDB. <laughs> Do you have what what's your one of your favorite moments? One of my favorite moments is like completely at the other end of the episode is like the fire is up one of the final scenes is when Mando and IG88 IG11 sorry uh take on the bounty hunters or like the bandits or whatever they are yeah bandits I think's the the vibe I'm getting yeah the little uh, encampment at the end of the episode I think one the action is just unbelievably uh badass and then on top of that we get a fan favorite, you know. I don't think he's like he's an assassin droid, but he's not the assassin droid I think we've seen in previous Star Wars episodes. But they're all pretty much the same. It's just not a lie. It's the, the um, character models, the one that we <clears throat> recognize. Yeah, uh, and on top of that, we also get him voiced by the legend that is Taika Waititi, <laughs> the assassin droid oh, voiced by yes. <laughs> the goat himself. It's like unbelievable. I remember hearing that for the first time, and I was like, "Is that?" Taika, I was like, unbelievable! What a, what a fellow! What a little cameo this is! It's yeah. like, you know, when Star Wars is or like something's huge, when you get a character, a person like that, he's not even like in the show; he's just like a voice. Like that's when you know, like your 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 uh, your show's going to be gold. Is when you get in these cameos; it's just like voice cameos. Yeah, no, that that seems amazing. Like, funnily enough, it's in my list as well. Um, I just think it's like the most epic action scene in that first episode um seeing i the way that ig11 fights with you know the twisting round and shooting is just so unreal and then like the bit that 
gets me so hyped when I watch it is when like Mando whips his sort of um I don't want to call it a lasso, but you know what I mean? Like his wire thing and pulls the big blaster cannon towards him and just like spins around, blasting everyone. It's so cool. Yeah, it's like rides it. I like how he does like, I don't know if we watched it. He does, he like, yeah, grabs it. It was like his like little grapple thing. Then he jumps on it. Then there's like a little 360 and just like spins around for like no reason before he starts shooting it. And it's just like this man is just flexing on everyone now. Like it's the most unnecessary move and he's just stunning on these boys because <laughs> he's that confident. Yeah. yeah and so I, I just, love the uh, the running self-destruct joke as well. But the... Uh, was it programming says I can't be taken in alive I must self-destruct and then just IG-11 constantly doing that and he's like he's like no IG units stop <laughs> I just that moment made me laugh yeah there's like the little the little pauses in between like Mando being like no don't do that or like suggesting something else and then IG's like accepted and so like you can just see him like processing it and he's like yeah alright that's a good idea uh, and it's just it's just brilliant writing just and brilliant yeah. acting from both Pedro and Taika, to be fair. And it's impressive that for like a droid and a character who's wearing a mask, they have like such good chemistry between the two of them. Like there's no faces looking at each other. It's literally a helmet and a a weird metal thing. (laughs) And like they're full on like sort of like a buddy cop vibe going on, even though obviously like Mando doesn't like droids and stuff. I just think it's a really, really effective action scene. And it's... it's like the closest scene I think in all of Star Wars to that sail barge scene in Return of the Jedi. Like I think this captures that sort of vibe closer than like any other scene. I think. No, oh, yeah, that's a good point actually. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It captures that like I don't know, almost like chaotic, but somehow successful at the same time. Yeah, you, know, you got Nikto's getting killed as well. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's so good. I mean, yeah, as you said, like, I and mean, IG Eleven, just like his fight in Star Wars, just unbelievably like cool. He's just like his arms are spinning around. His little like seven eyes he's got is like spinning around, and he's just taking out men left, right, and center. And then you got Mando somehow managing to keep up, just being like one guy in a blaster, just obviously showing off just how badass he is. And it's just oh, it's just beautifully done. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I've got another one of my favorite moments. Um, this is a bit, maybe a bit of a smaller scene, but I absolutely love the scene where he's like trying to mount the blurg. <laughs> so, like, I, I love when he sort of initially arrives on the planet. I think it's called is it Ast- Astala Seven. I think is the name of the planet, something like that. But he arrives on the planet, and there's some like really beautiful shots of him like looking out over the desert, and then he gets attacked by the blurgs. You know that bit I really, really like. Very again western style but the the scene with him just like trying to tame the blurg and trying to ride the blurg and him getting like really frustrated about it and quill saying like you are a mandalorian like your your ancestors rode the great mythosaur you know like you should be able to do this and then like the music kicking in when he finally like gets on top of the blurg and oh it's just i just feel like it's a really awesome moment and like it's definitely like a a, a mini character achievement it's like in this episode like you know he's he's <laughs> he's tamed the stallion in, in the in the cowboy sense but like he's just had that little, little mini victory there and he just feels like oh, he's hyping himself up at that moment i just think that's a, a really cool scene no, i do like that scene actually that's good it does feel like a little character moment for him he's like yes i've done this 
and go me sort of thing. I'll tell you what scene actually stands out for me. Another one is it's really early on in, the, in this episode. It's like just after the opening scene you mentioned when he's captured his his uh, bounty and he's on his ship. Uh, is it Mithril the guy's captured? Oh, is that his name? Yeah, the, the alien. The fish is, fella. Uh, yeah, Mithril's the name of the Mithril. alien. I don't think he yeah, has an yeah. actual name, but that's just the species, but yeah. Yeah, and uh, he's and he's like, oh, I need to like go use the bathroom or whatever. And he's like wandering around the bottom of Mando's ship. And then like he discovers Mando's like weapons case and like quickly shuts that up. And then he wanders down the ship a bit more and discovers that like all of Mando's bounties are like car frozen in carbonite. And then just like Mando just like appears behind him, just like over his shoulder, and sort like, of freezes him. And it's just like Jesus, that was like badass. Yeah, just like out of nowhere, it's like hello. It's a really cool moment, particularly because I think it further solidifies that like Mando's not like a traditional hero. Like he, there are elements of him which is definitely like a bad guy. Like him just carbon freezing this this weird little alien guy. Yeah, I mean it shows how efficient he is because I mean if he went off to each planet and captured them and just like held them in his ship somewhere, they'd probably all escape. So he's thought about it and he's like, you know what, I can't waste of fuel going like bounty back home bounty back home so i'm gonna i'm gonna install a little uh carbonite freeze in my ship and i can go to like all five bounties in one go and freeze them like, it's <laughs> exactly. full of thinking and i respect it it's good efficiency the big question i have and i don't actually have the answer for it i should have done my research is this the first time that we've ever seen a toilet in star wars <laughs> i don't know is the, is the answer i i wish i did know but I was very taken aback by this. I was just like, wow, that's what the toilet looks like in Star Wars. <laughs> I'm trying to think now. There must be one in like, I feel like there's one in the prison scenes in Rebels, maybe. Yeah, like... I, don't th- I don't think there's any in any of the main films. I think if we have seen a toilet before, it's been in, <laughs> it's been in like the Clone Wars or Rebels or something like that. I don't know. I really don't know. I shut off my head. Need to, do the research. need to do the research <laughs> but if this is the first appearance of a star wars do they call it an evac tube or something like that the star wars toilet yeah. then this is a huge moment in star wars canon right here <laughs> <laughs> that's a good question dan you've, you've raised an excellent point <laughs> it, is, it is a good little scene though i agree um have you got any other any other scenes before i imagine like my uh, the one that I've got left is obviously the final scene. So if you've got any other scenes you want to bring up before we get on to the final scene, now is your chance. No, you go for it. I feel like I could be here for days otherwise. You, yeah. you go for your... your... The, my, my other f- favourite scene is obviously the final scene with Baby Yoda. I think even now, after seeing this episode quite a few times, knowing exactly what the plot is, knowing that Baby Yoda is the one in the little cot... And knowing that, like, he shoots IG 11 before IG 11 can kill the baby. The moment is, I still find it such like an intense and surprising scene. I just think it's shot so well. The music scored over it is so good. Like, the the intensity of like it zooming in on Mando's face and then like hearing a blaster and seeing the flash, but for that brief second, not knowing if it was like if the baby's being shot or if it was IG 11. I, I just still think. It's such an effective scene, and and I was surprised when watching of like how little of <clears throat> Baby Yoda you actually see in this scene. Like you really only see like the back of his head 
a little bit like you see like the briefest like two second shot of his actual face and then like his his finger like it's a really like intentionally mysterious scene and then obviously you get loads more baby yoda in the rest of the season but uh, what a way to sort of like tease fans with that like little cliffhanger ending oh yeah i mean is i feel like it's one of those scenes that it was so obvious like in hindsight you know when you you go back and watch it like mando had shot ig but then when you watched it well, thinking about it afterwards, you kind of like, yeah, that's kind of obvious. But even like when I rewatched it, you know, it's still like tense, and you're still like, oh my god, this baby, this baby Yoda dead. And then, yeah, you're right. We we really don't see a lot of baby Yoda in that first after, after that first episode. Um, and like, I think that was like the first anyone I'd ever seen of him. I think as we discussed when we talked about the Luke reveal, that that was something that they kept very high under wraps. Mm, like, yeah. I don't think we saw any. We didn't see any promotions for like Baby Yoda, I think, yeah. before Mando came out. It like, was even a, the toys. It's a deadly secret. Yeah, yeah. They kept it yeah. really. Yeah. Yeah, the toys didn't come out till after that first episode, I think. So I don't think they had even sent Baby Yoda off to the toy companies. I think the toy companies came scrambling to Disney after the episode mm. aired because they didn't want it to leak through merchandising. So I think they kept it like properly secret. Yeah, I mean I don't blame them. I mean I'm pretty sure Lego leaked a few scenes from like the new Spider-Man film. So <laughs> you know, these, these things always leak. You can't be like, trusted. Lego. Can, yeah. You can't, can't trust these, these corporations to not leak your, your secrets. So, yeah. but I think the episode does such a good job of like building up the entire time of being like questioning the morality of the Mandalorian. Like, is he a good guy? What does he actually stand for? What, what does he represent? And I just think it builds up so much that at the end, you don't really know what he cares more for, whether he's like, he's going to see a child and think I need to save this child or he's going to see a child and just see his bounty. And I think because of the episode building that up really well, like even on a rewatch, you're still just like, Oh my God, is he, is he, is he going to save the child? <laughs> Please save the child. And obviously he does. And then this sets him off on this path of, you know, becoming a better person and caring for something. But I just think it's, um, it's a really, really strong scene. Yeah, and I think also if you're paying attention, it's like IG-11 is like, well, my orders are to like kill it. But then obviously in the original uh, the original meeting with Mando and the client, you know, the client wants it, but plan A is to get it back alive. And uh, Dr. Pershing is very much like, I need it alive. So then IG-11's adamant that plan A for him is to kill it. So then you're kind of wondering, like, oh, has he got a different bound? Is he from a different client? Or like, what's going on here? It kind of raises that mystery as well. So that adds to the suspense that you get at the end anyway with, like, the, the final shot. Like, you know, if you're paying attention, then that adds to that as well. Yeah, definitely. What, what an iconic moment. I think it'll be one of those moments in Star Wars, which is remembered for years to come. Very iconic moment. Um, right. So next... Next little part of the discussion. This is something that we're gonna we're, we're gonna kind of keep this as a uh, as our sort of structure for all these Mandalorian rewatches. Who was your standout character of this episode? What what character stole the show for you? Made a big impact? Did you identify with the most, or or just latch onto the most? Well, I think I think the character that surprised me the most was like the amount of just like. I don't know, atmosphere they brought to the role. Obviously, apart from like the main character, like Mandalorian, 
uh, I think was the the client, the guy you know from the Empire who hires Mandalorian, the Mando, to uh, go and fetch Baby Yoda. I think his opening scene was very like tense, dramatic. Obviously, you know it helps that like you know just before we meet him, you're greeted by a bunch of dirty but beaten looking stormtroopers. So already, I think you're feeling a bit intense there. Oh, like, oh, what's going on here? And then, yeah, I think he just captivates the room so well. Uh, I think the guy who plays him, his name is what? His name is, I don't know, absolutely butcher this. His name is Werner Herschel or something like that. I'm yeah, assuming Werner, he's a Hurt. yeah, Werner Herzog, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming he's a European fellow. Great um, actor. <clears throat> from the continent. Uh, but, yeah, I think his... I mean, as you said, like the way we'd been introduced to Mando so far, you know, we're not sure about like his morals, his character, stuff like that. But I think even in that scene, like the two of them interacting, like the client and uh, Mando, you kind of see that they don't quite see eye to eye on certain things. Like this, this fellow, the client seems like a ruthless, like straight away ruthless badass, you know, just wants his job done, doesn't give a shit about anything else. And I think, yeah, it kind of rubs up against Mando the wrong way, which then helps like lead his character somewhere. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think his interaction with that like, Doctor Pershing as well is really like, you know, it leaves like a nasty taste in your mouth. It's the fact that like obviously, there Mando is hired Mando to get this asset, which he, he calls it an asset. You know, it's not even a person to him for a reason, and even you know the reason he wants to get this asset for Dr. Pershing. Like, he doesn't even give a shit enough about that to, like, bring it in alive, which is obviously what Dr. Pershing needs it for. You know, he's just, like, he'll get his job done his way, if that makes sense. Like, he doesn't care about anyone else. Yeah, yeah. He's really, like, instantly sort of, like, menacing and captivating character. Just the the actor's, like, delivery on some of the lines, like, um, the best scar should be in the hands of the Mandalorians. Like... <laughs> I'm not butchered it, but it's just that like really sinister way of just like saying what the character wants to hear, but in such a like twisted way that you just can't trust it. Yeah. And then the mystery behind that is like, what's like, okay, well, we know that the empire is like not gone, but we has been weakened by obviously the explosion of two Death Stars. Supposed to be gone. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're meant to be like a fading away out of the you know being phased out the empire out the galaxy and then not only do you get you know this fellow is clear like high up in the empire because he's got like an army of stormtroopers with him but he's also got his hands on beskar you know one of the rarest metals in the galaxy and you think well one how's he still got this much like power and wealth about him with like his empire like fading around fading out around him so he must be like quite a ruthless character to be able to hold on to this power and wealth while everyone else seems to just be like fading away around him. Mm. So a menacing character to say the least in yeah. like the two minute introduction. Yeah, definitely. Um, mine is kind of similar and kind of different. <laughs> My standout character was, uh, was IG 11. Just, I remember watching Empire Strikes Back and like seeing that line of bounty hunters and just seeing IG-11 and thinking that thing looks, or IG-88 obviously, sorry, and thinking that thing looks stupid. And <laughs> I think, how is that a bounty hunter? And then like, I've got like a Where's the Wookiee book, which is like, Where's Wally? But it's like, you find all the characters and one of them is IG-88. So I've, I've known about IG-88, but I've never really known what his deal was. And then seeing 
an IG assassin droid for like the first time I've really seen them since Empire and as in IG 11 and then just like fighting like an absolute badass. I mean, you've already been over the scene in detail, but I just never expected them to be that <laughs> overpowered basically. And they're just ruthless, badass, self-destruct because they don't want to be captured, voiced by Taika Waititi. Like, they, IG Eleven's appearance really, really stole the show for me in this episode, and definitely is my my standout character of episode one. Yeah, I mean, this is. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. Um, how often have we seen like these IG whatever's like in action in Star Wars? I don't think they've yeah. happened a, a, very much. If at all. in Clone Wars, they were in a couple episodes of Clone Wars. Yeah, um, but obviously, I watched Clone Wars after I watched The Mandalorian. Um, and then I think were they in one episode of Rebels? But like I know that they've appeared quite a lot in Legends, but I never really consumed Legends. So for me, this was like the first time I'd probably seen an IG droid since Empire Strikes Back. And like my few picture books I've got that's got like pictures of IG eighty eight in it. So it was a big moment for me of being like, damn, these robots are serious. Considering that like, the whole behind the scenes story of IG eighty eight is that they literally just found some scraps of metal together and like stuck it. <laughs> stuck it together to make a bounty hunter like it wasn't intentional that it looked like that it was just they found like i can't remember what it's actually made out of like it's actually like a household item that it's made out of and i can't even remember now um but there is a funny backstory to the behind the scenes of how it was created and it was just a bit of a joke really on set and now taika waititi has voiced one and it's been an absolute badass so yeah i've got to respect it yeah i mean gotta start some respect on ig 11's name he does, yeah, for sure. Does definitely like add very much add to the the action and drama of that scene, and I think it's yeah, uh, it's very captivating. I mean, that's the first time I would have seen yeah the same like an IG droid since probably Empires. The same, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. So mm-hmm. to add that to that uh, episode is what a treat that was. Yeah, and I'm um, even just. Above my head and to the right, I've got my IG-11 action figure sat up there looking down on me. That's how much I appreciated him. I had to buy one of the retro action (laughs) figures. Still in the box, but he's sitting there. (laughs) Oh, class. So we'll we'll move on to what is a more sort of fun and enjoyable uh, discussion, which is instead of our standout character, it's our favourite background character of the episode. So this is, you know, someone that may have one or two lines or no lines at all. Someone or something that appears in the background isn't a, you know, major part of it, but just for some reason our eyes went to it or that character we remembered a little bit more than we probably should have. It's just a background character and what we thought of it. So I'll go. I'll let you go first, John. All right. For mine, I'm going to have to give you a little bit of a, a brief backstory into something. <clears throat> but basically, what I find really interesting in, the, in like films, TV shows, etc., is like some single throwaway lines that actually create like loads of backstory if you really think about it. So I'll give you an example. In Lord of the Rings, one of the trolls says, looks like meat's back on the menu, boys. Which then implies that one meat was once on the menu and has been off you know it's like and then two like when was meat on and when was it taken off so it's like there's little side comments that just create like loads of background <laughs> when were orcs vegetarian <laughs> yes it's like what 
what when was the story point when there was no meat on the menu like what what caused this and why was it there you know it's this sort of thing it's like from one side comment you can create like a whole you could probably write a chapter on a book about that to be honest i'm sure i don't know why tolkien didn't because i'm sure you could so basically my favorite background character is the speeder pilot from like one of the, the just after the opening scenes or the pilot of the little speeder he gets you know when mando the speeder pulls up mando's like with a little astromech and mando's like no droids so the poor alien has to call another speeder and there's this one guy on the speeder pilot <clears throat> yeah and a rusty speeder <laughs> yeah so and then obviously he takes him to they want to go and he's like stay off the ice it's dangerous and then gets eaten by the alien or like the big sea monster sort of thing and it's just like his character like the whole point of his character i think is just it creates a whole backstory that you could quite easily write i mean one you have the option like he clearly is in like a dead-end job desperate for money and he'll take the shitty job that like a droid is there to do because it's so dangerous, but this man's clearly so desperate for money, he'll do it. And then it's like, he's only there when it's like requested that no one wants a droid. Like how often does this happen? Like, is he just sitting there somewhere <laughs> waiting for someone to be like, no, I don't want a droid. <laughs> he just sits all day, just like waiting for someone who doesn't like droids to come along. And then finally someone's like, no droids. And he's like, yes, my time has come. <laughs> yeah. And then plus, the alien that Mando originally spoke to was like, well, this is a state-of-the-art new speeder, which then implies that they've bought a new speeder and still have this guy employed. <laughs> it's like, <Yeah. laughs> why do they keep him around? Is it because he's just he he's there in case people don't want to spend money on droids? Or is he just there because he's in a dead-end job, he's got like children to feed and they don't want to get rid of him? It's like, why is he still there? My my headcanon is that he's like a drunk from the pub who just, they feel sorry for him, so they just give him a little bit of work every now and then if he, if he hangs about. Just, yeah, I mean, the background, the background story that is there is just so compelling to me that he is my favourite background character. And he's also played, he's played by an actor called, again, I'm probably going to butcher his last name, <coughs> Brian, that was crazy. Posin, I think is his name. Brian Posen. Yeah. I think he's like a massive Star Wars fan, isn't he? I think so. And he's in a few episodes of The Big Bang Theory. And that is where I'd seen him before. Yeah. Yeah. And he, I just think that doesn't is. he play um, that like weird guy from the comic book <coughs> shop, doesn't he? Uh, he plays like a geologist. So yeah, I used oh, to yeah, watch The Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Yeah. Shame no, yeah. yeah. He plays like the classic like nerd, loser, geologist guy, which is. Terrible ride from Big Bang Theory, which is why I started <laughs> watching it. But yeah, it's just like, what a leap to go from the Big Bang Theory to some speeder pilot in Star Wars who's in a dead-end job. It's eaten by a walrus. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, what a guy. Like, I want, this guy needs his own, like, you could definitely write, like, a family, like, sitcom around this. Like, I'm sure, like, is this not what Seinfeld was like? Yeah, at least, know, like, he at least deserves, like, a, one, a one-shot comic about him or something like that. <laughs> yeah you could easily write like a an 80s sitcom around this fella being stuck in like a dead end job and like his job being replaced by droids like you could definitely oh, write that so much meaning in that as well um yeah that was a brilliant answer mine <laughs> mine is 
I guess I guess it it you know does raise a few questions, but maybe it's not quite as significant as yours. My favorite background character is the Quackian monkey lizard that's watching his friend getting spit roasted in front of his eyes. <laughs> I just <laughs> there was there was just something about the fact that like obviously Quackian monkey lizards, you know, Salacious Crumb being the most famous one from Return of the Jedi, um, sat by Jabba the Hutt's la- uh, lap. We actually know that they're like semi-sentient beings. So it's not quite like just like putting a chicken on the barbecue, like they're, they're semi-sentient beings. So, you know, something really twisted about one of them getting barbecued. But it's the fact that like his, is it his friend, his brother, his 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 mum, his son, we don't know what the relation is. It's just sitting there watching <laughs> and screaming. It's 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 a tragedy unfolding in front of our eyes. And I definitely want want some more backstory on those the relationship of those two quacking monkey lizards and, and why they've been captured and one of them's been <laughs> spit roasted. <laughs> I mean I'd be very interested to find out as well if uh, a similar action was uh done by that monkey before he was roasted you know like in han solo in return of the jedi when like he's about to get lit on fire and he's like trying to blow the torch out i'd be interested to see if he attempted the same thing before he was roasted he's just saying like <laughs> desperately trying to put that torch out before he gets barbecued i remember I mean, watching it for impaled, the, but yeah i remember when i watched it the very first time i was just like is that actually salacious crumb i was like nah that's too dark <laughs> i was like I was like, no, it can't be salacious. Surely not. But then I just, I really identify with with his buddy and the pain that he's going through. And I just think that's when you think about it, that's incredibly dark and twisted. <laughs> he's being made to watch his buddy suffer. Um, so yeah, RIP the the quacky the monkey lizard and strength and honour to his his buddy in in this difficult time. Yeah, I feel that. I feel that. <laughs> So it took me like a couple of seconds when you were describing the scene to remember what you were talking about. But then as soon as I figured it out, yeah, I could just picture that guy's face, the poor monkey's face is just sitting there watching his mate get, get roasted. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Yeah. Poor fella. Uh, poor fella indeed. Right. So the the final little bit that we're gonna uh, that we're gonna round up our episode on is a bit of like sort of quick fire Easter eggs. So I've actually got a list of Easter eggs written here. Um, just, you know, connections that I've spotted to previous Star Wars stuff. And I'm, uh, we're going to we'll call this segment rate, rate my Easter egg. I've just come up with this off the top of my head. <laughs> I will read out the Easter egg. And uh, John, you've got to give it a, a rating out of five stars <laughs> for how, for how strong and obscure this Easter egg is. Okay, you ready? All right, so we're going quick. We're going quick fire on this. We're not getting into any detail. Just <laughs> hear the Easter egg. Give it a star. Okay. <laughs> right. So the first one in the opening scene, the alien that uh, Mando chops in half is a Quarren. Obviously, the Quarrens from Matt Mon- the other species from Mon Calamari that aren't Mon Calas. And at one point, they were engaged in a war in the Clone Wars. They look like squids. What we're giving this one? Two and a half. Two and a half. That's fair. The alien that whistles to get the speeder is a Kabaz, and they're the uh, the same alien as the Imperial spy from uh, Mos Eisley in A New Hope. Three. That's a three. I agree. Um, the the Mithril says uh, talks about Life Day, which is the the Wookiee holiday that was famously celebrated in the uh, Star Wars holiday special. Four point five. 
Oh yeah, that was one of my favourites. I must admit, um, the, uh, the the people frozen in carbonite. Obviously, the same fate as Han Solo. One of them is a Rodian, which is the same species as Greedo. Four. Um, oh, what else have we got? Um, Grief Karga pays Mando in calamari flan, which we can only assume is the, the currency that they the, the Moncala use on a the the Mon calamari use on Moncala. Uh, two and a half. Uh, the aliens in the bar. There's two Trandoshans and a Kaiozu, which is the, the same species as Embo, the bounty hunter. Oh, three and a half. When Mando goes to the door of the client's place, he's greeted by one of the eye scanner droids that you can see in Jabba's palace in Return of the Jedi. And it turns out that they are called TT8LY7 gatekeeper droids. Oh, I'll give you a four because you got the name. <laughs> And when he enters the building, there's a gonk droid saying gonk, gonk. That's five. He's down there gonk. <laughs> I, I'm, in my head, that is gonky from Bad Batch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Um, the client is wearing a medal that has the Imperial emblem on it, and Dr. Pershing has a Kaminoan cloning patch on his jacket. Oh, I'll give you a five for that because I didn't even notice that. Yeah, the funny enough, in the last episode of Bad Batch, right at the very end, when there's that woman that Nala Say goes to she's wearing the exact same uniform as Dr. Pershing so we got a little connection there yeah I like that yeah um, I've already been over this one the quacking monkey lizard getting spit roasted <laughs> same species as Salacious Crumb <laughs> um, the Mandalorian covert there's a crest on the wall which is the the crest that we first saw on Boba Fett's armour back in Empire Strikes Back and it's the Mythosaur which is the dragon that the, the Mandalorians used to be able to ride Four. Yeah, I like that one. On the desert planet that they go to, Mando encounters Blurgs, and Blurgs first appeared in the Ewok TV movie from the 80s, but then were first seen in canon in the Clone Wars when they were in Ryloth. Uh, four. Quills and Ugnot. Ugnot are the little pigs from uh, Cloud City and Empire Strikes Back, and apparently they're all enslaved, which is very sad. Yeah, uh, three and a half. The, the bandits holding uh, Baby Yoda captive are Nick Toes, who, uh, who have appeared in Jabba's Palace and Return of the Jedi, and there were loads of them in the Clone Wars, including a Jedi Nick Toe called I'm a Gundai. <laughs> <laughs> uh, four. <laughs> have you actually heard that Easter egg before about the I'm a Gundai? <laughs> It's in it's in one of the Ryloth episodes when there's a Jedi Nikto and he dies in the episode and George oh, actually yeah. called him I'm a gun die. <laughs> um <laughs> the IG eleven is an IG series assassin droid voiced by the legend Taika Waititi. Uh three. And finally, Baby Yoda is the same species as Yoda and Yadel. Five. They're all the uh, all the Easter eggs I spotted in this episode. Um, funnily enough, I made this list like a year ago um, because me and Joe had like talked about making some video about Mandalorian season one before season two came out, and we never did. But I spent an entire day getting every single Easter egg from all eight episodes, so that keeps us covered for the next eight episodes of this podcast. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> But there you go. Some uh, some good strong Easter eggs and some some good ratings from you there as well. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> I'm gonna die one. That's crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you go away and Google uh, 
I'm a gun die. <laughs> and the whole story behind that, because that is a, that is a George Lucas classic right there. <laughs> what a shame, man. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's, it's good i first thought like because i've got i play galaxy heroes the um the mobile game and you can get the character and i thought his name was like ima gundy so i was just like oh, that's just a weird name and then when i heard that it was actually meant to be i'm a gundy i was like oh my god <laughs> this is ridiculous i've been uh, a dlc in lego star wars <laughs> I, I, th- I think uh, Star Wars Battlefront 3 has got to have him as a playable character and yeah. his only his only power is that he just dies <laughs> yeah uh, well there you go that's our first episode of the Mandalorian rewatch um, we will continue doing these every now and then uh, whether we do another one next week or whether on, our next one is in a couple weeks time you'll find out but uh that's that's our first little dive back into the Mandalorian. Did you enjoy that, John? Yeah, I did. I mean, I really enjoyed the rewatch, and I very much enjoyed discussing it. Be nice to uh, <clears throat> nice to watch the rest of the season and uh, discuss it every now and again as well on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, once we've got all <clears throat> got through all sixteen episodes of the Mandalorian, we can then go into all one hundred twenty odd episodes of the Clone Wars. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> Well, there'll be plenty of uh, of good little Easter eggs in them as well, and some good background characters yeah. for us to appreciate. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I think we what we need to do is we need to create like a like a wall, like a hall of fame of like our favourite background characters from every single episode of The Mandalorian, and then <laughs> collate them all into one big hall of fame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll buy that. That'd be quite good actually. Right. Well, that's that's everything from this episode. If you've enjoyed it and you want more, you can follow our podcast on Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so you don't miss next week's. Um, follow us on Instagram at Life from Vader's Castle, at Life from Vader's Castle on TikTok, and at Vader's Castle Pod on Twitter. I should really change that Twitter one to being Life from Vader's Castle, so we've got them all matching but I think that was a reason I couldn't. Um, we also do have a YouTube channel, which I have now started the very slow process of uploading every single one of our podcasts onto YouTube. And I've made like a better thumbnail and background print than we originally had. So that's a long grind, but there's currently our first two episodes up on YouTube and there will eventually be all of them one day. So if YouTube is more your preferred place to consume podcasts then you can subscribe to us over there and also subscribe to our weekly newsletter which there's links for all over the place but the description of youtube videos is probably the easiest place to find it and i think i've remembered all of the social media hopefully that should be it (laughs) and we'll be back next week with another episode talking about something star wars related whether it's more mandalorian whether it's something else that takes our fancy we shall see um but yeah thanks as always john it's been a great discussion yeah thanks it's been really good all right so uh <clears throat> thanks for listening guys and uh we'll see you next week yep see you next week <laughs>